equipment. Uh, we can't afford not to record. Hey, and we're back, and we're back, and we're back. And, uh, you know, well, Judas, myself, Brian. And this is Darnell. And this is Misunderstood. Um, Darnell Send called to freedom. Yes, yes. Uh, but first, we're going to get into uh, Darnell's call. Uh, he called me yesterday, and he's like, man, I'm about to post this episode. I was like, great. He said, uh, man, I'm about to post this episode. <laughs> so when he d- says it twice, that means I need to go back and listen to it. And um, some, I, I didn't like how I sounded. Uh, I, I might have come off a little um, Reverse racism? Insensitive. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, we joked and we laughed about uh, Passion of the Christ. Which, uh, to me, it it uh, it didn't resonate with me as much because um, I saw it as a work of fiction. Um, I saw it based off a book, and then also the fact that Jesus never looked like that to me. He he never looked like a white man. Okay, and so going back, <clears throat> I'll explain. At one point in the podcast, you said. You know, the violence and passion of the Christ didn't bother you because it was just another white man. Yes. And, uh, I, and I sat in the background and went, oh, because I think I, under, I understood where you were coming from. Mm-hmm. But going back and listening to it, I was like, man, that's not a good look on us. Yeah. <laughs> well, to me, uh, it, it, that wasn't Jesus. Uh, that character, the whole movie, I never saw him as Jesus. Yes. And well, what worried me going back and listening to it mm-hmm. is it really it felt like prejudice. It felt like saying that somebody who is human's pain is different than my pain as a human. So like dehumanizing people, mm-hmm. which is where I kind of think prejudice, prejudice is. Somebody is different. They, they would behave different in the same situation because something about them is wrong. The way they react to pain is different than I would react to pain. Something is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's okay to harm them because something is wrong. And... Following prejudice, prejudice coupled with power becomes racism. Mm-hmm. And I think African-Americans are so used to not having power. We're often very comfortable saying prejudice statements. Because knowing, we can't be racist. Yeah, because we can't be racist, knowing that we'll never have enough power to shift everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can uh, say that I don't recognize pain in white America, but I can never prescribe less drugs to African-Americans or treat African-Americans in a medical system differently because I think that they have a higher tolerance for pain. Mm -hmm. So while I can be prejudiced, it's very difficult for me to be racist. Now the problem gets in, now that we're yelling into this microphone and people are starting to listen in, Mm. we have a little bit of power. All five of our viewers, you know, we appreciate you all. (laughs) We have a little bit of power. (laughs) And so with that power, now comes the ability to be racist. And I thought you were going to make the Spider-Man statement. With, with, with power, power comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Yes. Yes. So I think, one, us coming back and kind of owning that statement mm-hmm. and, you know, saying uh, not, not the intention that it was put out with, but also not a sentiment either of us agree with. Mm-hmm. I think it was, was important to address that one directly. <clears throat> yes. I'd also like to say we talked a lot about the sound of freedom. Yes. In the last episode. And I'd like to go through and first kind of throw out everything we got wrong about the sound of freedom in our open discussion prior to seeing it. Mm-hmm. 
And the, the example I can give is it wasn't a gun-heavy movie. No, no, not at all. And, not until the end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but even still, it wasn't the main character. It really wasn't the main character. It wasn't a lot of guns. Mm. It wasn't a white man with a gun going in and saving the day. Yeah. Which is what I was like, hey, this is what I'm worried about. This is what I think is going to happen. It really was not that. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, one of the bigger fears or, or, I had. Or even the license to kill. We, he, yes. He might have killed somebody at the end. <laughs> should I have given that away? Spoiler alert. I should have said that before. Which is a good but, might. But even still, mm -hmm. there's a chance he might have just put him to sleep. Yes. It was difficult to tell. But really, that you're right. The, the big fear we kind of went into with this idea that there's a group of folks out there that want permission to go out and kill. Mm -hmm. This movie did not offer that permission. Mm -hmm. It did not present the main character as someone who delights in that, who revels in that, or even uses that to gain a benefit. And again, the only exception is there at the end, which they still left kind of yep. questioning. So I, I've got to say that's that's one I can I can say I claimed mm. went and saw the movie. Yes, didn't we, come we, true. We did see, it. and also I will say that um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Um, I was actually uh, it kept my interest the whole time. Um, yeah. Now, with that being said, uh, I felt like the focus was off. Um. I felt like the main focus of the movie should have been mental health. Absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, obvious from the beginning. Like mm -hmm. they're on, they're in a partnership at the beginning, and one of the partners is like, "I can't do this." Yeah. And he was, he was fairly new. He was like, <laughs> "You know, how do you do this?" And he's like, "You know, just put it deep." And then... Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you'll just go rogue. Yeah. And or spend be, half your become life desensitized. Right. Bottle it up. Cap it on Titan. Put it in the back of your closet. But, yeah, that, that first guy, like, he was new. First bust, it was like, man, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I can't handle it anymore. So, and I, I think we talked about that earlier, even with our police officers, is making sure that there is a mental health component to police mm -hmm. work that's not stigmatizing, that doesn't mean you're going to lose your job because what you face on the job every day has gotten to be heavy. You're not going to lose your livelihood. Mm -hmm. You're not going to lose your opportunity to do sports shooting or any of the other things that you enjoy. But mental health has to be part yes. of any policing. Which is kind of what, what defund the police means, you know. You know, refactor their funding. Uh, spend less on militarizing the police department and invest in our police department, mm -hmm. you know, invest in, in counselors and uh, mental health workers who can help assist officers when there is a need for that. You know, there have been times where we, we don't know how to deal with mental health. So we called the call 911 like anybody else. And that's our and first line of defense to handle something that's a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I think in that same vein, so we're starting, we, we've put in the, the places we made mistakes on. Mm -hmm. Now we're starting to criticize the movie as a whole. Yes. So criticisms for the movie, one, not enough of a focus on the mental health issues mm -hmm. of the law enforcement people. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say the same thing is true for the pimps, prostitutes, children, 
you know, everybody involved on the crime aspect as well. Yes. Because there was almost a little bit of, once we get them out of these situations, now everything's okay. There's a hug and a tear and you go <clears> back to normal. And you can't. Even the, even the father, I was thinking. The, yeah. All the characters. Yes. Like, <laughs> the there was nobody character. who should have been okay yeah, at the end the, of this. You know, the, the, the new, new deputy, he, that should have been part of his exit interview. You know, we're going to give you counseling. Yes. <laughs> To help you deal with what you've worked with. Pay for the main it, character. Time he's spending hours looking at child pornography and then interacting with pedophiles. You know, like the, the term that kept coming to mind was in too deep. Yes. I was like, this dude is way in too deep because he is able to get the trust of this pedophile, like infiltrating him. Like, hey, spoiler alert. He, he could, we'll have to add that to the, to I, the, to the top. Oh, of spoiler alert. It's all over. Spoiler alert. Yes. yes. Uh, he went in, you know, he was able to convince a pedophile that he was one of them. Because that was the first statement he said, you know, you're not one of us. Yes. And then down the road, he's like, you know, maybe you are. And he, <laughs> to the point where he's like, here, I'm going to set you up with, with a, a, an underage child, mm-hmm. you know, for you to have your way with. And knowing that this guy is a, a, a federal agent. Yes. For him to be able to say, you know, first arrest this man, put him in jail, and then gain, be, his, trust gain his trust while he's in jail. Yeah. Like, it, it's not, you know, he wasn't undercover. This guy knew he was an agent. Mm-hmm. And then was like, yeah, but you're, you won't. I trust you. Let me, let me do this thing, illegal thing for you. Yes. And the whole movie felt like Batman to me. Okay. Uh, again, with that idea of in too deep. When you watch Batman movies, mm-hmm. how often is he Bruce Wayne? You, you, know, you got a 90-minute movie? He ain't Bruce Wayne, but for 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Maybe. Yep. And even then, <clears throat> he's looking around to see where the closest bat suit is. <laughs> and so the same thing happened to be true here. And mm-hmm. what I love about the younger generation is a lot of the younger generations are like, look, we don't like Batman. This man has unlimited wealth, and instead of building soup kitchens so people aren't <laughs> robbing each other, you know, instead of paying wages, he's building multi-million dollar tanks to ride around the city and bust criminals. Hmm. And the same thing felt true here is the expenditure of money to arrest people. Because one of the, 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 the big one, the big, the middle bust of 50 kids, mm-hmm. to bust 50 kids, he was going to pay $100,000 to bust 50 kids to four people. Hmm. Four people were going to take $100,000, split it amongst the four of them, and go steal 50 kids. Yeah, that, that's Which what... is just not a lot of money. <laughs> like, it... Then, and, and... This is... When he brought up... When he, when he brought up that he wanted 50 kids, it was kind of like, wow, that's a lot. It you was. Know, we're going to have to go kidnap some more. Did this man create a demand? That, I, I think that's... <laughs> that that's... they needed to supply, so... Was he responsible for and, the kidnapping of, say, 25, 30 more kids? Because, I, yeah. I, I have to pump out. There's a podcast called um, Alphabet Boys. Mm-hmm. And it's about how they put um, federal aid, fed informants mm-hmm. into Black Lives Matter. And the problem with being an informant, the problem with being what he was, mm-hmm. is if it's not happening fast enough, they sometimes feel the need to kindle, to, yeah. to start the flames a little bit, to, to suggest and so they really built this demand 
mm-hmm. and then arrested everybody who was filling the demand. Yep. Um, also, the uh, they really didn't touch on um, Americans that are involved in the uh, slave well, trade ring, except for one one instance. And, you know, it was a guy who looked like the majority of the people that were in the audience with us. Well, it was, it, I'd say two instances, because there was the, the first guy that was caught. Well, but he was, he looked like the typical uh, yeah, he, pedof- he had, pedophile. He had, um, he had the weird haircut. Yeah, it was, the glasses, it was very like, Jeffrey Dahmer-esque. It was, yes. it was like that guy was pulled out of central casting for looking yeah. like problems. And but, then we had the second American, the drunk downtown. Yep. Who, and, who clearly had wealth, could afford to be out on vacation, mm-hmm. um, probably took the yacht down there, uh, and you know yes. got got an underage child. I will say in their description of who comes down looking for this, mm-hmm. their description was also very um, middle America kind of guy, but upper middle America. Mm-hmm. You know, rents too big a car. He's um, wearing flip-flops and a T-shirt around. You know, he's got time to spend a week or two mm-hmm. in, in a foreign country, which is really, you know, upper, upper middle class. Uh, and at the end, during the credit scenes, mm-hmm. it also described how America was the problem. So that, that this, the slavery demand of uh, Americans mm-hmm. is what's driving this. So I'll say they addressed it but the absolute worst pedophile in the movie was of South American descent. Mm-hmm. The one who got the most and fastest comeuppance was of South American descent. I would think, because there were two. I forgot, there were two pedophiles that were. Because um, there was the main guy at the end who got, got it Steven Seagal style. And then there was the one on the island. Who okay? Yep. Yep. Who they uh, arrested, and then let everybody look like they weren't going to arrest him. I imagine mm-hmm. so there could be street justice, and there was a lot of this push for street justice. Like once we arrest you, we're going to put you in the jail. And and you know what they do to you know what they do to pedophiles, pedophiles in yep. the jail. Yep. Or we're going to put you down in a, in a Colombian jail, and you know what they do to pedophiles in a Colombian jail. <laughs> Which, if the Colombian jail's so bad, why are all these people in Colombia? Risking their lives for $250,000 to snatch kids if they're afraid of the Colombian uh, jail system. Um, I guess 200000 $100, goes a lot farther there. Because uh, even when uh, you know, he told his boss, I'm going to find that child, he's like, ah, well, keep it under 10000 Keep it under 10000 I'm like, yeah. this man's going <laughs> to create a, a whole... Pedophile ring, uh, sting operation on $10,000? So, those feel like, those are the heavy criticisms. Mm -hmm. Do you have any positive points of the movie? Um, the awareness. Uh, Yes. It it, it brings awareness to a real problem. Yes. Um. Yes. Uh, and, and I will say that they, they, they did say that it doesn't just apply to these third world countries. Yes. America is, has their involvement in it too. Yes. And not only does America have our involvement in it, but I think America has the greatest capacity 
for changing that involvement. Mm -hmm. And what I, I think I really disliked more than I thought I would. Because I really thought this movie was going to give us a solution. You know, that, that's what my complaint was the whole last movie, mm -hmm. is that the solution's going to be, boys, get up your guns and get a posse together and go, go out and do it. And the movie did not suggest that at all. Mm -mm. It didn't even really give that as an indication. In the end, the last little glimmering piece was, hey, let's get some legislation in. It was short, but they showed him in Congress and, like, testifying, and they put in the legislation. Mm -hmm. And so the legislative route, I think, works. Mm -hmm. Now, we've had a conversation about mm -hmm. this before. I think this is the perfect time for you to uh, plug your amendment. I did, and I, I re-plugged it, is I'd like to add a 23rd Amendment to the Constitution that says that neither uh, slavery nor involuntary servitude will be permitted in the United States. A hundred percent prohibition. And no one can profit from it. Because when we saw these children trafficked, it started with the neighborhoods. So we had, you know, the, those street level folks that were the kidnappers. And I, the other thing I didn't lie on, take a quick tangent, mm -hmm. is when they showed the kidnappers in the movie, the kidnappers were like in their 30s. They were established people. Mm-hmm. But when they showed the real-life clips of them, a lot of them looked like they were in their 20s. Yeah. I think the only one that they might have been uh, factual about was uh, one of them was uh, like a, a, a beauty queen. Mm -hmm. But even as a beauty queen, you usually start that around 16. Yeah. Yep. So what we very likely got, even amongst the people that were busted in these Colombian areas, are people who were a product of the, a product of the same thing, that mm -hmm. they were pimped, prostituted, pulled into child warfare early on and helped perpetuate that same system. Mm. And then to arrest them and be like, ha-ha, we caught you as the bad guy, I didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so that, that, part, that part bothered me that they, they portrayed them at an older age. They portrayed them so, as though they were the same age almost as the main character, mm. as Timotea. Uh, is it Timoteo. Timoteo. Ah, oh, Timoteo. <laughs> All right, now I walked a tangent. I'm having trouble remembering where my tangent came from because we were talking about the... Um... <laughs> we had to cut this part out. I didn't, didn't write it I down. I can't remember. Let me take another sip of my beer. Uh. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about the, the busts mm -hmm. that were occurring where I, where I first saw the, the folks that were younger. Next time I know not to walk the tangent back down when we saw those, <laughs> the people that were a little bit younger. At least bookmark it. At least bookmark it from here on out. Well, you know, we just... <laughs> this is, and I feel, you know, um, remember when uh, the governor of Texas asked him what three things he was going to cut during the presidential debate? And he was like, the Department of, of uh, the FDA, the Homeland Security. Oh, shoot, nah, I've forgotten that one, too. <laughs> Ah, man, just went downhill from going here. George Bush. <laughs> you know what it's, they say. It was, it was fool me once. Shame, fool, on, shame you. on you. Uh, fool, uh, me fool me twice. Uh, never be fooled again. You, you can't fool me again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll jump back in. Mm -hmm. So the parts that w we liked about the movie. The awareness. The uh, awareness. The legislation piece mm -hmm. that it pushed that. I like that about it at the end. Um... What I don't, what, what, I, I that's don't. That's it for me. That's it, yeah. It, it's really a made-for-TV movie. I think once this movie gets to Netflix it, it, or I, uh, Hulu, it was, I think it's going to get more of an audience. It, yeah, it was a lifetime movie. 
that was in the theaters. Ooh. Child actors were amazing. Yes. That that I am all the way around, but specifically the young lady and the young boy. The brother and the sister. The brother and the sister. Yes. Amazing actors. Like not uncomfortable watching this the the show sometimes with what they were having to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh just they they were amazing too. So they found some amazing talent. Um I think once it moves off of the movie shelves, I think it'll have a, a greater audience. But will it help push towards that uh, the amendment that I'm asking for? And so the amendment I'm asking for... Well, I'd, I'd like to know, what do they want from viewers? That is, that is, is the great question. Um, so once even, somebody even, even digests after, this movie... Even after the movie, uh, there's a... There's a, a after movie message, mm-hmm. it's like a two minute message from the main actor, where he he's, you know, wants to bring awareness to the subject, even encouraging people to to pre purchase tickets for people who might not be able to afford. Mm-hmm. So if you can't afford to see it, there should be a website out there that you can go out and mm-hmm. pick up free tickets. But the question again, yes. when he when he made the statement, it wasn't sign this petition, it wasn't change this law. Mm-hmm. It was make more people aware. Something bad's happening. Know about it. Mm-hmm. And that that does that feels problematic to me. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is I think where I was hoping this might be exactly where we need to go as a podcast for misunderstood, because that's the part I currently have trouble understanding from conservatives. It's like, what do you want? Yes. Because things like build the wall. I'm like, you want a 3,000-mile wall built across the southern border? You want to take people's land to build a wall? Didn't you watch this movie? <laughs> yeah. we, when, in this movie, mm-hmm. planes, trains, and automobiles were used. Yes. None of which a wall stopped. Well, to like, me. At the best... The guy was driving through a gate. Well, to me, uh, those 50 kids that we've grown this empathy for mm-hmm. um, are the same people that they want to keep in that country. Stuck. Yes, behind that wall. Where people will just fly over, because, cause the problems, and then fly back. Yes. You know, yes. I feel like these are the people that we are keeping from coming into this country. People that are trying to flee this slave trade that is going on. That is, it, and, and even, you know, in the movie, it was the uh, Colombian um, equivalent of the FBI. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they didn't step in until the main character, this American, came mm-hmm. in and was like, hey, you know, it's going on. I'm going to set up. I'm going to show you guys how to do this. We're going to yes. organize this thing operation. Sorry if I pause. There was a beetle just flying <laughs> on me. Um, yeah. Uh, this is the, the, the kind of government that they're trying to flee from. Why would we wall them into that yes. place? And you know what? What I think would work, mm-hmm. if we decide to put up a wall, if we also restrict any U.S.-born citizen from flying over that wall, 
they can't come in. We can't. We can't go out. Okay. Well. Which I think is a terrible idea. Is uh, Ron Paul would say, you know, a wall big enough to keep you out can keep me in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not a fan of walls. Yeah. But to build a wall which forces those kids not to be able to escape, like you're saying, mm-hmm. but then to give American citizens access to fly over that wall and keep that drive, that, mm-hmm. that traffic going, that demand going, seems terrible. It does. So I, I think next time somebody's like, we need to reinforce that southern border wall. And I say, well, let's also limit flights from the United States into these South American countries. Yep. No more trips to Cancun. No more trips to Cancun. Um, and I don't know how happy they'd be about that, though, either. Because I feel like there's honest tourism dollars, too. We spent the whole last, we spent a last episode trying to get tourism dollars to Franklin County. <laughs> so I don't know if I necessarily want to cut anybody else out of tourism, either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, I don't believe in a wall, so this other hypothetical is equally ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, dislikes of the movie, you know. Okay. I feel like we pretty much got all the positives out of the way. Okay. Um, yeah. Definitely need to touch on mental health because, to me, the main character didn't need to be in Colombia without addressing that mental health first. Because first, you know, he had been doing his research, spending countless hours looking at yeah. child pornography, being disgusted, even getting emotional. This man did not smile until he got to Columbia. Until he was forced to smile as part of his character. Yes. And his character was a pedophile. Yes. So the only time he could be happy was in the character of mm-hmm. a pedophile. Yeah. Surrounded by degenerates and, and criminals. Mm-hmm. And again, mental health is kind of your space anyways, is, is from the sociology aspect, is your understanding of mental health and changing a whole environments. Well, it doesn't take, you know, a, <laughs> a psychologist to realize this man was going through a manic episode because of PS, PTSD. You know, he was quick to quote, you know, 10,000 uh, kidnappings happen a year. That's yeah. 50,000 children. It's sickening. You know, I need you to invest hundreds of thousand dollars so we can uh, bust these criminals. I'm like, ooh, man, this guy, he needs help. He's screaming for help. Yes. And everybody is encouraging this manic behavior. You know, he's calling his wife. You know, honey, you, you gave up, uh, you know, pension, yeah, ten, ten, months. 10 years, 10 more months and you could have collected a pension. I don't care, baby. I need to go save these kids. You you need to see a doctor, honey. You know, then then we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. No, she's like, go do what you got to do. Go do what you got to do. Now I will say, uh, we talked about this last episode. It would go totally different if he was married to a sister. <laughs> yes, uh, and and I wonder if that has a little bit to do with the self preservation that's required for black women, both raising kids, mm-hmm. being married to black men. That you know. Is you 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 can't help somebody else if you're falling apart. Mm. And I know if if I had made that phone call, my wife would have called EAP on me immediately. <laughs> Who's EAP? Uh, the Employee Assistance Program. Oh yes. Okay, I've used that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't my, know what it was. My wife would have had me, you know, seeing a doctor right away. Yes. You know, ah. this man is talking about giving up his pension, our, our pension, <laughs> <laughs> to go to Columbia. All right. Yes, I, 
I agree that I agree the mental mental health aspect. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how, and again, I guess that goes back to law. Is if we require municipalities, if we require state agencies, mm-hmm. for every five officers you hire, hire two mental health officers. Yeah, or even um, uh, I, what would the sting operation uh, exit program? You know, mm-hmm. after a big operation like that. They should be forced to go through uh, counseling. Like a deprogramming. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think officers are required to somewhat do that now whenever they discharge a firearm. That which is good. Yes. Yeah. You know, the same should go for somebody who's witnessed countless hours of, of you know, pedophilia going on. Well, and I get the other thing I think is is interesting mm-hmm. from the from the opening scenes in the movie which appear to be live footage yes. of kidnappings mm-hmm. but none of them appeared to happen on US, US soil. soil because yeah. most of them were on a motorbike yeah uh one of them that scared me was a, I believe it was a homeless woman who was who'd laying, fallen asleep yeah, who'd next to a child next to an infant and this guy just you know sat next to her picked up the baby and then walked off yes <sighs> And again, this, it feels like poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason those children are in unsafe neighborhoods is because their families are in poverty. The reason that somebody thinks that whatever small amount of money is going to come from kidnapping, because the other thing is, it just doesn't seem financially feasible. No. I know where they were like, ah, you know, you can only sell cocaine once and you can sell a child over and over and over again. But you also have to feed a child. Mm. You also have to condition a child. You know, nobody's natural state is suppression. Mm-hmm. That and, and they're getting, they're not getting these children. You know, we named the one instance where it was an infant, but most of the kids kidnapped had to been, you know, between mm. five and ten or eleven. Some of them looked like they might have been twelve, thirteen years old. You know, I can imagine them trying to train my. 13-year-old at this point. Like, she gonna give him hell those first... <laughs> it, yeah, I, those first six months. Right. None of it seems comfortable. No. And so, at best, it feels like an entire trade of children. Mm-hmm. Where it would be 16, 17, 18-year-olds that are doing the kidnapping and the beating and the forcing in other spaces. 19, 20, 21-year-olds mm-hmm. who are captains... But then I think there's probably a, a fall off. Anybody over 25 is probably in jail or dead. Mm. And then you've got 35 to 60-year-olds, customers. Hmm. And I'm wondering if uh, it could have been you know, kind of where they, they've aged out. Um, they're they're I, no longer desired in that trade. That's what so I think. They, so they, you move into the next step mm-hmm. of the trade, which is the enforcement piece, which is the theft piece, which is... You know, like Recruiting. I survived, you'll be okay. I don't. It doesn't bother me to steal you mm-hmm. because I know you'll you'll make it. Mm-hmm. Is this terrible cycle that doesn't? We're not presented with any focus on that cycle. Mm-hmm. We're not prevent presented with much in terms of how that part can be broken. And again, like you said, the idea of going in there with a hundred and ten thousand dollars worth of American money mm-hmm. feels like it would have just kindled that yes cycle. And increase that desperation. So, this this could have been their, uh, you know, 
they're ticking out. <laughs> you know, they're thinking, you know, this 50, this. 50 piece order, we can get out of this. We can finally end this cycle. Maybe. I can't imagine any of them sawing into the cycle. It just was. It just is what it is. Mm. I, I think a, a, a better option would have to be presented. I don't think they could ever see making my own better option. Like, this is just life. If you, if you, if you grow up in something like that from five years old, mm. you know, by the time you're 21, this is just how it is. So, you know, coming in and saying, seeing a, a help wanted sign and you go, how much are they paying? And you go, twice as much as you're making now. I think that person will go, well, let me get an apron. You know, I'm, I'm going to come in and work with you. Yeah. But if you're already living in poverty and you go to a job and they're like, well, you're going to make half as much as you make now, but we're going to work you harder hours and longer. You're going to stay stuck in the same terrible trade. Mm. And none of them looked wealthy. No. None of them were presented as wealthy. Everybody who was involved on the lower end seemed broke. Yeah. But the, where the money was, this is where I think the amendment is brilliant. So much so I put it back. I went and dug up my old amendment petition thing, put it back on my Facebook page. Um, with the amendment, if we amend the Constitution that no one can profit from slavery. Because this was, it was slavery. I mean, those kids were kidnapped by somebody who looked like them, put on a boat, mm -hmm. and shipped to another country. This yep. was slavery. Yeah, they were in, in cargo containers. In a cargo container. On a ship. But the thing is, somebody was paid to float that ship. Somebody paid a passage to have that cargo put on that ship. Mm -hmm. Once that child is found, they should be able to sue every person that profited from that movement. Mm -hmm. And I think something like Epstein's Island, if somebody who ended up on Epstein's Island was able to sue whoever flew the private plane in, mm -hmm. was able to sue whoever rented cars to somebody who took them over there, who was able to sue the cleaning company, because you know Epstein wasn't cleaning his own toilets? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, companies are going to go, oh, you're giving me $100,000 to clean toilets on a creepy island? <laughs> maybe it's not worth it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hello, FBI? <laughs> yeah. I, maybe, maybe I'll just call you, you might, in. Yeah, you might want to look into this. Maybe rental car companies won't post up in countries where they know child trafficking is happening heavily. And then but, once those dollars disappear... But our disappear, cargo van is the best, best rented vehicles. Once there's no longer a financial option available, mm -hmm. I think it dries up. So if we can decouple finances from slavery, then you can't make enough money to be creepy. And that's, that's the big part of the problem is the people who were pedophiles made enough money to be pedophiles. And they were able to pay desperate people to make things happen. And this would stop that. Because I know there are a lot of people who, who flew planes in to, to Epstein's Island, who, who flew kids from one place to another, who knew, man, something, something's wrong back there, and went to their boss and said, man, something's wrong back there. And their boss said, listen, you shut up. Your job is to fly a plane. But for them to know, all right, well, I'm going to run this to the FBI, and we'll see how, how you like that, you know, the next piece that's coming. As opposed to getting fired yeah. as a pilot, and then that boss calling around going, hey, you know, don't hire this guy. He talks too much. Hmm. Yeah. Put yeah. the government on the right side. Yeah, they'll definitely start checking IDs on those uh, plane pockets. <sighs> a whole lot would change. So this is my request. Now, I've also got to admit, 
every time I have pitched this, hey, let's do a constitutional amendment to absolutely end slavery and prevent people from getting uh, profiting from it, I get heavy pushback from conservatives. When you explain it. Now, uh, if you, you give that spin that you just gave us, mm-hmm. they're okay with it. But when you give everything that it entails, they can't I don't quite... Have, all that it entails is slavery is illegal and you cannot profit from it. Well, where else are we seeing legalized slavery? We know legalized slavery exists in the prison systems. Yes. Uh, That's where I think you get the most pushback. Because criminals don't deserve to be paid. Criminals now, don't... I'm, I'm, that's not how I feel, but that is the pushback that you usually get. They don't think that criminals deserve to be paid for their work. Why are criminals working? I mean, how, we, how do we measure in this country uh, how well the economy is doing based on jobs available and we're giving jobs to criminals? Somebody going to tell me, oh, man, people would come over the border and take jobs away from who? People were forced into work. Like, if you're in prison, you shouldn't be engaged in any money-making activities. That part doesn't make any sense. Hmm. And so some of it is I am curious as to what they believe slavery is, and that may be where the problem is. Is, is what the definition of slavery is. Because I think there is, there's a belief out there that some people should be enslaved. And there was a couple good scenes in the, in the movie where he goes in at the last part to rescue that girl. Mm-hmm. And as he's going in, there's a young boy floating bananas mm-hmm. out. That young child was enslaved. He was engaged in work that he was not equally paid for so I can buy bananas at 35 cents a pound. Well, shoot, I think at one point where we saw the girl working. She was working. With, with like five or six other individuals. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they were doing. They were stomping on something. It, it, I couldn't tell if they were making drugs. Uh, I don't know the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just thought that, you know, cocaine should never be stepped on. Thank you, Rick Ross. <laughs> I think he was wrong. But I, we also saw, you know, people making cocaine. Um, people making cocaine. We saw people picking plants, mm-hmm. which look like leaves from something. And again, with this idea of this opioid crisis that's happening where we're demanding cheap drugs, it feels like while the sex trafficking may be terrible, those of us consuming foods that are produced on these camps, those of us ingesting drugs that are produced on these camps from people who are not paid not paid fairly, not treated humanely. Mm. All of us feel guilty of engaging in a slave trade. Yeah. You know, even a step further, purchasing uh, goods that we know were made by workers being paid Mm -hmm. 10 cents an hour for their work. (sighs) Take away my iPhone. (laughs) Well... So then we we get, but we're in a world now where we can, I feel like we can change these things without losing. Like uh, America did not decline because of the end of American slavery. When we ended chattel slavery in this country, and, and make no mistake, we phased it out. We didn't just 
Like, you guys are free, enjoy all the rights of the Constitution, and purchase <laughs> land, and have no problems. We phased slavery out. Yeah. But the loss of slavery didn't change the fortunes of America. It only changed who was fortunate in America. If you were still willing to work hard, if you still had capabilities, you could make money still. And we saw almost immediately, after slavery ended, the most skilled people were African Americans. The people who knew the most about planting, the people who knew the most about sewing, cleaning, cooking, were African Americans. And we immediately rose to the top in a lot of spaces. America's always been that kind of engine. Hmm. And then there was a pushback. We haven't always been lazy. No. <laughs> yeah, we, we were apparently pretty uh, hardworking. I mean, fought a whole war over how hardworking we were. Uh, we didn't get lazy until we were running things a little bit afterwards. In uh, fighting those kind of I guess even gets more difficult. Give me a blanket and a space for but that becomes the real question that, that kind of is the outposing piece. Is what is their definition of slavery? Is there anyone that deserves to be enslaved? And can we eliminate it completely from any U.S. involvement? I think we should. <laughs> now we're coming up on a good time to close out so are there any last pieces for this misunderstood um regarding the uh, sound of freedom regarding the sound of freedom I definitely uh, encourage you to, to view the movie um, I agree form your own opinion and you know even we would even welcome dialogue absolutely absolutely Yes, I, I would say it's not, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Hey, um, but that's the end for this episode. That's this the end for this episode. This is misunderstood. Yeah.